Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. All right, all right, everybody. Well, it's time for another episode of Who Gets to Decide. I'm Seth Martin, your host. Glad you are here. Happy you're listening. Thank you for joining today. And uh, today, you know, I, I heard something on Tucker Carlson that really piqued my curiosity because it sounded a lot like what we've been talking about on Who Gets to Decide. And I wanted to share this uh, with you um, and, and expound on it uh, because, as you know, for, for some time now, I've been talking about how the Republican Party and the Democratic Party are the same. Uh, on the things that matter, it's the same thing. And uh, the, the, the whole keeping us at each other's throats uh, is, a, is, whether it's intentional or unintentional, its effect is to keep us distracted from the things that are very, very important. In fact, most important in America. And Tucker waded off into this subject a little bit the other night, and I was I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe I was hearing my uh, hearing it with my own ears, and so I wanted to bring this to your attention um, and talk to you about it and comment on it uh, because I believe I down in my bones I believe this is one of the things that's ailing America the most is the fact that we really don't have a choice in our body politic. We don't, we don't have people that are talking about things that really matter. We only have people that are talking about things that matter on the edges. And these things are just enough to keep people upset and angry and uh, feel like that they're advocating for a side when in fact they're just, they're really advocating for two sides of the same coin. And so I want to play this Tucker monologue and uh and and some parts of his episode i think it was from friday night i will double check the um the uh the date of the program and make sure it's in the notes uh for the episode but i just thought it was super interesting uh and he makes a good case uh maybe a better case than me and so i wanted to go ahead and expose everybody to that uh uh, the, the case that uh, the Tucker is making for the Democrats and the Republicans are the same. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson. Tonight, Joe Biden is the weakest, most unpopular leader of our lifetime. He's also the most destructive. Now, that's not a partisan assessment. That's not the opinion of a right-wing talk show. That is the view of the overwhelming majority of American voters. So right out of the gate, you know, Tucker's making a pretty strong statement. He's saying that Joe Biden is the weakest, most inept, president that this country has had in our lifetimes. Now, um, probably nobody's going to disagree with that. Um, I personally, I, I don't disagree, but, uh, but I do think things like inflation and stuff like that, th those are not related so much to Joe Biden. Now, he hasn't helped the situation any um, with, with the COVID policies and things like that. But Again, I you know I've said it on this program many times, but inflation is is largely a monetary effect, 
and it has to do with uh, just printing money, creating credit and printing money, which we did a lot of right when Joe Biden first got into office. And we did it at a time where the the economy was producing a little less than it normally does. So that's why we've you know, that's why we've got uh, inflation the way we do. But I just thought it was a, you know, pretty, I mean, pretty strong way to start the show. And I wanted to go ahead and leave it in there. Biden's malicious ineptitude is so overwhelming that it is single-handedly changing American politics. And everywhere there are signs of it. Signs of a massive generational realignment taking shape, taking shape in response to the disasters this administration has created. The old coalitions are crumbling before our eyes. Suddenly we're seeing Hispanic voters, African and Middle Eastern immigrants, as well as huge numbers of American-born young men, all running at remarkable speed from Joe Biden and the anti-human corporate neoliberalism he represents. Yeah, this, this corporate neoliberalism, the, the problem with it is it just doesn't ring true. You know, you, you, it doesn't follow any kind of logic. It, it's not what people are noticing, you know, when they go out into the world and they, and they go to their jobs or they play sports on on the flag football team or whatever it is they do in their lives, they're not noticing the things that the government says are there, like racism and uh, misogyny and, uh, you know, a, a patriarchy and all this kind of crazy woke neoliberalism talk. And so people just, you know, they they can only take so much anti-reality, right? And I, th- I think that's what's driving a lot of this. I mean, people just, they, they look at the world and they just don't see it the same way Joe Biden sees it or the Democratic Party sees it. And so you either have to continue to live in that lie uh, and, and, and lie to yourself, or, you know, if you have even an ounce of integrity, which I think most people do, they look at that and they go, that's just crazy. That's insane. That's uh, crazy talk. Nowhere is this trend more obvious than in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas. That's a place which for generations has been a Democratic Party stronghold. As recently as 2018, a Democrat called Henry Cuellar won his district in South Texas with fully 84% of the vote. His district is 80% Hispanic, and for decades that meant it went Democrat. But then last cycle, that began to change. Two years ago, Cuellar's percentage of the vote plummeted by 26 points. Yeah, some of this started under Obama. You know, they were talking about how strong the economy was under Obama years ago. And, you know, people had to live in the economy. And Hispanic people along the Texas border have been living in this economy. And, you know, they're talking about a lot of this change started happening in 2018. I think it started happening way before that, maybe as early as 2012, and it's just taken this long to show up at the polls. But, you know, when you're living in an economy, all these other things that, that they talk about, that the government talks about, um, they don't mean anything. If you, if you can't uh, get a decent job, provide for, for your family, and, you know, live inside the economy. And, um, and so, yeah, there's been a huge shift in... Uh, voting from shift from uh, Democrats, Hispanic population, which have been traditionally Democrat, to Republican, and this is going to. I think one of the things you'll see out of this is as this develops further, you're going to see a little bit more security on the border, because I think initially, as long as the Democrats thought that it was 
you know, Hispanics would come here and vote for them, they thought, well, shoot, let's just let a bunch of them in, right, on the southern border, and, and, and you know, we'll have our population, you know, we'll have our voting population set for life. And some of this is starting to change, and, and so I think one of the results you're going to see out of this is you're going to see a tightening of the border. But this has been going on for a while, and, uh, of course, the Democrats are slow to, to uh, notice it, but they're noticing it now. Uh, you'll hear Tucker talk a little bit later about this uh, lady, Maya Flores, who won down in, um, in uh, the S- southern district along the border in southern Texas. And that, that literally hasn't been held by Republicans since like the 1800s or something. Hispanic voters are no longer automatically Democrats. In fact, they are openly hostile to the Democratic Party. Joe Biden's support among Hispanics has dropped to a stunning 24%. That's the lowest among any ethnic group in America. Yeah, you know, and there's going to be fallout from this. I think I think, I think some of the fallout you're going to see is, is border policy. I mean, I think they're going to tighten this border up uh, because, uh, uh, in, which, which is the right thing to do. I mean, one of the things that Hispanics along the border are voting for is to secure the border. I mean, they live down there. They don't want all that crime and drugs and all that stuff kind of basically in their backyard. I mean, they don't want that. They live down there. So um, I think one of the natural results you're going to see is you're going to see the border tightening up here uh, probably within the next six months or so. But it's not just Hispanics who have come to despise the Democratic Party. Roughly nine out of 10 black voters supported Joe Biden in the 2020 election. Since then, less than two years, Biden's approval rating among African-Americans has dropped by 20 percentage points. And the same is true with Asian voters. By the way, all this is just a lead up to kind of the big question toward the end of the program. So I want you to, I want you to stay, I want you to stay on and listen uh, all the way to the end because um, Tucker, may, he comes to a conclusion that was, to be honest, when I first heard it, was shocking to me uh, because I've not heard it anywhere on mainstream media. I've only heard it come out of my mouth and other people that I've spoken with. As of tonight, the only group that continues to enthusiastically support Joe Biden is college-educated white voters in urban areas, particularly middle-aged women with unhappy personal lives. If you've got more than three cats and an NPR tote bag and wear a mask alone in the car, you are all in. Everyone else is running away. Effectively, what we're seeing is the end of the modern Democratic Party. Wow, that's a pretty bold statement. Um, we could only hope. I mean, the Democratic Party is just a mess right now. I don't know why anybody votes for them. But, um, but I, I, I tend to agree with the NPR tote bag and a mask driving around in your car alone. I, I just, to me, I see that as like almost like some sort of mental illness or, or some inability to observe reality around you. But they're coming around. The Democrats are coming around. And this next clip proves it. I mean, this is from, I think, MSNBC and their their host and the, and the pundit there. They're doing some analysis on this uh, voting that's taking place down in South, South Texas that elected uh, Maya, Maya Flores. Even MSNBC has noticed. 
This speaks to a story we've been talking about since the 2020 election, specifically along the border, the Rio Grande Valley, South Texas. We have seen county after county, whether it's in this district or some of the districts to the west of it, where voters have moved 10, 20, 30, 40 points away from the Democrats and toward the Republicans. This district that Myra Flores won last night, Barack Obama got more than 60 percent of the vote here when he last ran in 2012. Hillary Clinton won this district by 22 points. Points. It's shifted that dramatically. Joe Biden carried it by four in 2020. And now in a special election, a Republican candidate has won it outright. Yeah, you know, I, I think Joe Biden will ultimately get the blame for all this. But I think a, a closer look and a, and a more in-depth analysis will probably lead you to, to understand that Barack Obama had more to do uh, with the destruction of the Democratic Party than... Uh, than Joe Biden. I think Joe Biden is going to get stuck with it, uh, primarily because of the economic situation. But the the cultural stuff stuff started under Barack Obama. I mean, Barack Obama was supposed to be this transformational, you know, candidate that was going to bring, you know, blacks and whites and Hispanics and everybody together. You know, fifty three percent of white males voted for Barack Obama, and it's just interesting that what actually happened under Barack Obama is he used race at every turn to bludgeon his political enemies and and just pick at the electorate in the United States with race. And this continued uh, when Trump became president. The Democratic Party had been trained at that point. And, you know, that's when the whole white supremacy thing started happening and everything is white supremacy, white supremacy and everything's racism and uh, you know, it's just, it was just, it was created, I think, uh, by the Obama administration. And of course, it's accelerated now under Biden. But I think your average voter just does not see this. And so uh, they see it as destructive. And they, they don't, it's not the reality they're living in. So they, uh, they're pulling away from it. So the question is, since we have only two political parties, how are Republican leaders responding to this fact, to this opportunity? Are they making the case for a better way? Are they offering an alternative to what the Democrats have brought this country? No, they're not. I think the answer to Tucker's questions uh, are they're not really responding at all. But somehow that's working. You know, more people are moving over to the Republican Party. Hispanics are anyway, as we just heard. So um, and there's going to be some independents that are going to come over to the Republican Party. But the answer is, that, you know, Tucker's point, they're not really acting like an opposition party at this point. Since the day Biden was elected, Republicans in Washington have taken Biden's side on virtually every significant item in his policy agenda. That would include COVID restrictions, vaccine mandates, transgender ideology in schools, sanctions against China, the January 6th charade, free speech, civil liberties, spying by the intel agencies, preserving the big tech monopolies, the anti-white race politics of CRT and Juneteenth, border enforcement and energy policy, and above all, the administration's signature issue, its lunatic and reckless support for the war in Ukraine. Republicans are all in. It's called Kiev now. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to argue against what Tucker's saying there is that, you know, this is supposed to be an opposition party. And really what it's doing is it's kind of just falling in line with a lot of these policies and it's got to be making some Republicans mad. I mean, I got to believe that, 
I, I, you know, I don't consider myself a Republican anymore, but if I did, I would be very upset. I'd be yelling at the TV. Yeah, we need to do this. And yeah, we need to do that. But, uh, you know, they're not. And so the question is why, why not? Why aren't they being the opposition party? And, um, you know, I, I don't think we really know the answer to that. I think we can speculate, but, uh, I think it's clear. It's, it's absolutely crystal clear uh, that, as a party, we're not acting, the, the Republicans are not acting as an opposition party. Yeah, there's some guys in there from time to time, you know, Tom Cotton will say some things or, uh, you know, there's, there's various people, various uh, leaders will come out and say this or that. Rand Paul has been excellent against COVID restrictions and COVID type stuff. He's taken on Fauci numerous times uh, in hearings and basically pointed out where Fauci's just straight up lied to the American public and Thomas Massey in, um, in the U S house of representatives, he's done a great job, but the lion's share of Republicans are just, you know, they're just non-existent. And that's the most positive thing you could say about them is that they're non-existent. The, the most negative thing you could say about them is they're on the same team as the Democrats. Effectively, they're coming to Joe Biden's rescue. Why are they doing this? Why do you think they're doing it? Because fundamentally, they're on Joe Biden's side. In the end, Mitch McConnell has far more in common with Chuck Schumer than he does with your average Republican voter. Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer are united in their fear of populism and in their gut-level loathing of the American public. And they're not alone. What Washington fears most is democracy, that is, letting voters have what they want. That's not allowed. Republicans and Democrats have formed a uniparty specifically to prevent it. And there it is, the uniparty. Uniparty meaning what he means by this is that the Republicans and Democrats are the same. There is no choice. You don't. You you get the same thing, uh, regardless of who you vote for. And this is this is my uh, point all along. It's 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 not that we get the exact same thing, but on the things that really matter. The things, the, your civil liberties, whether or not you have to take a shot, you know, whether or not a vaccine is going to be mandated or not, an experimental vaccine at that, and one that doesn't work at that. I mean, these are, <laughs> these are the important things, right? I mean, people now, there are some people dying from these vaccines, and certainly some people are permanently injured, you know, from these vaccines, but the Republicans just stood by and just let it happen. Just, just let the the uh, the Biden administration mandate it. Talk about OSHA mandating it. So, the the wars. Look at look at Ukraine. Are the Republicans offering any kind of alternative to that? No, they're all on the they're all on board with the war in Ukraine. Um, I mean, just go down the line. There's there's a ton of things. On the really big things, their surveillance state. Are Republicans really trying to push back on surveillance or homeland security or any of these things that have been just enormously harmful to our country? No, they're not trying to push back on any of that because ultimately they, they agree that those things should be there. It's just this cultural stuff that they're pushing back on, which eventually is going to go away because the Democrats are going to quit talking about it because nobody really cares anyway. You're talking about less than 5% of the population. And once they figure out that they, that won't give them votes, they'll quit talking about it. 
You see this everywhere, but you see it most clearly in the gun control legislation that's in the Senate right now. I don't want us to pass a bill for the purpose of checking a box. I want to make sure we actually do something useful, something that is capable of becoming a law, something that will have the potential to save lives. I'm happy to report as a result of the hard work of a number of senators in this chamber that we've made some serious progress. So soon, very soon, not soon enough for me, but very soon we will see the text of bipartisan legislation that will help keep our children and our communities safer. This is grotesque. Under ordinary circumstances, you would just assume, as always, these people live in their own hermetically sealed world. They have no contact with reality. They have no idea how out of step they are. But given the context of this moment, you have to interpret it differently. What you just saw was effectively a speech in support of Joe Biden by a leader in a party whose job it is to offer an alternative to Joe Biden. Tucker is spot on, but he's missing the point behind the point. And, you know, this, this, these red flag laws and, and such, it's not just the Second Amendment. It's the Fourth Amendment. It's the Fifth Amendment. I mean, there's, there's multiple violations of the Constitution in this uh, quote-unquote law that the bipartisan uh, Congress, the bipartisan Senate passed. And so this is, you got to ask yourself why, you know, what is the priority? Why can't, why can't congressmen come on TV and women come on TV and explain that guns don't kill people, people kill people? Why, why, what's so hard about explaining that? Why do they have to, whether this is theater or this is real, why do they have to uh, take us through this process um, and, and, and pretend that they're doing something that A, will work, and B, is good for us? I mean, uh, anytime you violate the Constitution this fragrantly, I don't think that's good for anybody in the country. Uh, but but they, have, they have teamed up together to make some pretty egregious violations of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, and I predict this law will get struck down pretty quickly by the Supreme Court, or maybe it doesn't even go to the Supreme Court. It just gets struck down by the Court of Appeals, and the Supreme Court doesn't take it. It's enough to make your head spin. So just a few hours after Cornyn said that, the Senate voted to move forward with this bill. So what's in the bill? Well, there's $100 million for the FBI. For the FBI. No attempt to reform the FBI. We're shoveling another $100 million to the FBI, the personal police department of Joe Biden the people who saved his son from a drug charge. Then there's nearly a billion dollars in order to bribe the states to, quote, implement and manage these so-called red flag laws. Now, these laws allow authorities to seize firearms for people who have committed no crimes. That's a violation of due process. It's unconstitutional, but the Republican Party is all for it. The bill also makes it harder for people between the ages of 18 and 21 to buy a gun. They can go fight in Ukraine, and Republicans would like them to, but they can't own a gun in this country. Now the question is, would any of these measures have stopped the mass shootings in Buffalo or Uvalde? No. This bill is completely unconnected from what happened in Buffalo or Uvalde.
yeah, the purpose of the bill wasn't to stop what happened in Buffalo or Uvalde. The purpose of the bill is to give the FBI $100 million or to carve out uh, a bunch of money that the federal government can use to bribe the states to pass red flag laws so that the Congress of the United States is not passing red flag laws. Remember, because the, the, the Second Amendment says Congress shall make no law. It doesn't say anything about the states. Although, we've talked about that on this program before, and because of the incorporation doctrine that the Supreme Court has created out of whole cloth, uh, the states won't be able to pass these laws either. So this is probably going to end up on appeal somewhere. But the, the bigger point is, why are they doing that? I mean, you know, why? When you get right down to it, I think you have to. You can only kind of come to the conclusion that the Republicans and the Democrats are the same party. Yeah, there's some people, you know, in out on the edge. Like I said, you know, uh, Rand Paul or Thomas Massey. But as a party, the leadership of the parties are pretty well aligned. I would say. And I think Tucker is spot on. This is merely Joe Biden's agenda. Even Kevin McCarthy of California has refused to support it. So here you have Mitch McConnell, the lead Republican in the Senate, partnering with Chuck Schumer, the lead Democrat in the Senate, picking John Corden to carry the message and getting it done before anyone can even read the bill. One of the things that's interesting about this clip is the whole, you know, hurry up and read the bill or hurry up and pass the bill before anybody reads it. This is something that Republicans used to complain again about uh, with the Democrats that they would. They, now this bill was only 80 pages, and the complaint was that, you know, the Democrats would pass a 2,400-page bill and only give uh, Republicans an hour to read it or something. But the, the principle is the same. There's no debate. You know, nobody nobody gets to stand up and argue against the bill or argue for it, for that matter. It's just here's the bill, vote on it, and it passes. And you know none of these guys read it. Uh, a lot of them don't even know what they've they voted for. So, you know, I, I just think it's interesting that the, now the Republicans are doing the very thing that they used to complain that the Democrats did. How about the voters of South Carolina, Lindsey Graham's voters? After meeting in his office with a movie star to discuss the issue, ooh, they're pretty informed, Lindsey Graham also voted for gun confiscation last night. Not in Ukraine. He voted to send more guns to Ukraine. But you can't have guns here. Are you Ukrainian? No, no guns for you. And at the same time, as we said, Lindsey Graham is telling you your moral duty is to support a country you can't locate on a map, but your Bill of Rights, your constitutional protections are no longer valid. And there is nothing we shouldn't do for Kiev. Not for Texas, for Kiev. Yeah, you know, when you when you put it like that, I mean, it really does look like the Republicans are not standing up for people's Bill of Rights uh, and instead are more focused on what's happening in Kiev and, um, you know, Russia and, and this, uh, you know, basically the stuff that involves the um, military industrial complex. So, quite frankly, I trust President Zelensky's judgment about what would help him in real time more than anybody else on the planet right now. So the priorities they articulate in public are so far from the priorities of Americans that you have to wonder what this is. It's not simply a betrayal of Republican voters. We often call it that. It's much more. 
It's a declaration of war against Republican voters. In fact, against voters. Or it's just, you know, the simple explanation is, is that there's just not that much difference between the Democrats and the Republicans on the big things. Sure, you can find differences here and there, uh, things that'll drive you crazy about the Democrats, but on the really big things, there's absolutely no difference. And that's just the reality of the situation. Now, whether or not you see it that way, I mean, you can have a different opinion, but I think I, I could, given enough time, I could, I could produce a lot of evidence for you that uh, on the big things, the Republicans and the Democrats are exactly the same. And because of that, you need to start looking at the Libertarian Party. That's what I would recommend, especially now. You know, the Libertarian Party has never been more principled than it is right now. The Mises Caucus of the Libertarian Party has taken over the leadership. And you've got really, really good people at the national level in the Libertarian Party. And you've always had pretty decent people at the local level of the Libertarian Party. So I would, I would encourage all of you to begin looking more closely at libertarian candidates and supporting them. Uh, if, you, if you ever want it to change, the only way you can communicate to these parties, the Republicans and the Democrats, is to withdraw your vote, withhold your vote. Don't give them your sanction. Don't let them believe that they're doing the right thing when they're not. But that's what you're doing if you're voting for them and they're not doing what you want them to do. You're sanctioning or endorsing their behavior. For the record, here's a complete list of the Republican senators who just voted for gun confiscation. They would include Senator John Corner of Texas, Senator Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, Senator Tom Tillis of North Carolina, Senator Susan Collins of Maine, Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, Senator Roy Blunt of Missouri, Senator Richard Burr of North Carolina, Mitt Romney of Utah, Senator Rob Portman of Ohio, Senator Shelley Moore Capito of West Virginia. How do the West Virginians feel? Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa, Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, and... Todd Young of Indiana. Senator Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania was absent for the vote, but he came out in support of it. Now, many of those senators are from America's most conservative states. Indiana, Utah, Louisiana, West Virginia. What were the numbers in the last election in those states? In fact, every one of those states, except for the state of Maine, went for Donald Trump in 2020. You're seeing the color-coded maps of election results in those states on your screen right now. Some of them are entirely red. And yet, even in the face of these arguments, some of the voters are going to go to the polls and vote for those same senators again. And it just, it makes, it makes us look like dummies. I mean, that's the, what the politicians say. Well, you know, I've been here long enough. They're going to see my name and they're just going to pull the lever for me no matter who's running against me. They're not going to primary me out. They have nothing but contempt for these voters. And part of the problem is there's no choice. There is no real choice between the Democrats and the Republicans uh, except in the Libertarian Party. But everybody feels like they're throwing their vote away if they vote for the Libertarian candidate. And we need to stop thinking that way. Nothing is ever going to change if you keep throwing your vote to one of these two core parties. They're, they're, they're thinking that they're either, they're either thinking they're getting away with it or they're thinking they're doing what their constituents want them to do. And, it, and that's just not the case. So again, if you care about democracy, you have to ask, how many of those voters went to the polls in the last election hoping, above all, to elect leaders who support gun confiscation of law-abiding Americans, red flag laws? Not very many. So what we're seeing here, to be clear, is a subversion 
of democracy. You get to vote for whoever you want in this country. It can be a Republican or a Democrat, a liberal, a conservative. But in the end, you're going to get the very same thing every time. You're going to get a weaker U.S. dollar. You're going to get more pointless foreign wars. And you're going to get a lower standard of living for the middle class. In America, as in Western Europe, there's only one flavor of politics allowed, and that is corporate politics, just as there's only one flavor of media allowed, which is corporate media. And those two forces work together toward the same goal. More power for them, less power for you. Fewer families, more dollar stores. Less choice, more coercion. Less diversity, more sameness. Sound familiar? That's the Chinese model. The most important thing about this little clip is to point out that no matter who you vote for, you're going to get this, okay? No matter who you vote for, if you vote for Republican or Democrat, you're going to get this. These parties are no longer principally minded. They're only focused on power. They're only focused on an easy path to reelection. And the, their alignment with, with corporations, whether it be the industrial military complex or just regular good old-fashioned corporations that have lobbyists, their alignment with those groups is all they really care about. They don't give a shit about us as individual citizens. But for Mitch McConnell, whose family, like so many families in Washington, has become rich from its ties to the Chinese government, it seems normal. But it's not normal. This level of disconnection from what voters actually want is dangerous, and it's destabilizing. Self-government is what keeps countries calm and stable. Democracy is a pressure relief valve. Don't storm the Bastille, vote. If you take that away, or if you strip it of its meaning, people become angry and frustrated. And over time, they become revolutionary. And everyone in Washington knows this. So no wonder they want to disarm you. You can't have guns because they no longer trust you. And they no longer trust you because they know they've betrayed you. This is how democracy dies. Not in darkness, but in plain sight, live on C-SPAN. Those are pretty powerful comments coming from corporate media. And needless to say, you could have knocked me over with a feather when I heard it for the first time. But I hope it's been as impactful to you as it has been for me. Um, and I hope, I hope that I was able to add a little something to, the, to you know, Tucker's presentation of these facts. But, you know, keep... Look, share the show. Keep coming back. There's there's so much of this going on uh, that it's just it's it's like shooting fish in a barrel to point it out. Uh, but I I really believe that a lot of people have blinders to this stuff. They don't see it this quite this clearly. And the only reason I do is because I've been looking for it for a lot longer. I've been reading about it and studying it for a lot longer. And in order to, I think, get that way, you have to be much more skeptical than your average voter is in the United States of America. And keep listening to this program and you will get there. You will be skeptical eventually because I'm going to keep presenting content that moves you in that direction. Hispanic voters are no longer automatically Democrat. When you vote Republican in Arkansas, you're voting for the castration of children. It's called Kiev. <laughs>